from that goodness, you have his grace, and you have his mercy, and you have his peace. You have that from the goodness of God in Jesus Christ. We're going to look at the New Testament lesson for this morning from Paul's letter to the church at Philippi. And just these words again, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Heavenly Father, may these words of my mouth, the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. You who are our strength, our, our rock, our redeemer. Amen. Well, maybe you weren't here last Sunday, but the message last Sunday was really based on the gospel lesson and uh, the parable of the owner of the vineyard and the renters. And the point of the parable that was made was that, well, is it yours or is it his? And the parable teaches it. It's all God's, isn't it? it it's all his. We're the renters. He's the owner. Well, as I was walking out of church uh, last Sunday morning, I happened to be walking out with Peg Manea. And she said to me, and I share this, by the way, with her permission. I'll never talk about you in a message without getting your permission first. She, she shared with me that my message had gotten her to thinking, and she was wondering this question, what is mine? And she proceeded to answer her own question. What is mine? She said, all of the promises of God. I have all of his promises. They're mine. And I, I thanked her. I said, thank you for giving me this morning's message. I didn't realize that when I preached it last Sunday, it would need to be a sequel, a two-part. But it is. Thank you, Peg, for, for this. Because I realized that while everything we have is actually God's, yet there is another side to that coin. God has been ever so generous with us, and he has blessed us each in so many ways with so many things that we can rightfully say, these are mine. This is mine. Now, based on Paul's words as we have them in Philippians chapter 4, I want to highlight today what some of the things are that we have. These are ours. We can rightfully say they're mine. God has given this to me. It's mine. But before using Paul's words to give you some idea of what these gifts are, I think it's good for us to understand the basic nature of these gifts that God gives to us for us to claim as being our own. And perhaps the best words that do that are words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 6. Listen to these words. He says there, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What gifts are ours? Well, per Jesus' words, they're not gifts of an earthly nature. This isn't stuff that you can put in the bank. These aren't the kinds of things that you could list under the general heading of prosperity. No, these are, are spiritual blessings. They're heavenly treasures that he gives to us. So let me read to you again Philippians chapter 4, 
4 to 9, and, and perhaps you'd like to open up your Bibles to that. It's page 1163. And as you hear these words again, I want you to be looking for and listening for gifts that God has given to you. By my count, it's no less than seven different gifts that he gives to you in these words. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, sisters and brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Gift number one, Jesus. God has given you Jesus. He's in your life. You are in a relationship with him. You have Jesus, which is why you can rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord always, Paul wrote. No matter what, you have Jesus in your life. No matter the circumstance, no matter the trouble, no matter the loss, you will always have Jesus in your life. Listen to these words from John chapter 14, words of Jesus, which assure us of this in such a special way. If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him. And now listen to this. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. That's gift number one. You have Jesus. He has made his home with you. Gift number two. This one may come as a surprise to you. you. You may not think you have it. It's the gift of gentleness, a gentle spirit. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Now, what Paul is talking about here is how we treat people. To be gentle is to be considerate of another person. To be, to be gentle is to make allowances for the mistakes that they might make. To be, to be gentle is to, is to give someone the benefit of the doubt. Now, as you hear that, you might be thinking to yourself, eh, gentleness, I'm not so sure that I have that gift. A, a, a gentle, I'm not sure that I am that. I mean, how I conducted my life this last week, how I treated the people in my life this last week, wasn't always with gentleness. Wasn't always with the proverbial kid gloves on. Now at this point, perhaps there's maybe two things that need to be said. One, if you haven't displayed gentleness this last week, if in your relationships with people you have been hard, 
and callous and, and judgmental, anything other than being gentle with them? If the evidence in your life shows the opposite of gentleness in your relations and treatment of others, then what you and I need to do is confess that as a sin and ask God for his forgiveness for a lack of gentleness in our lives. And, and two, it would be good for us to make a change in how we treat people this coming week. Here too, uh, Jesus, uh, Paul gives us some guidance uh, in that when, when he wrote these words, uh, forgive one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. That's gentleness, isn't it? Let your gentleness be evident to all. Another way of paraphrasing that might be this. Let the gift, that first gift of you having Jesus in your life, be evident in how you treat the people in your life. Let your gentleness be evident to all. That's gift number two. Gift number three. In many ways, when it comes to this gift, I think I'm preaching to the choir. And you're the choir. The gift is yours. This gift, it's the gift of prayer. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. You can talk to God anytime. You can talk to God anywhere. You can talk to God about anything. That gift is yours. And along with that gift comes this promise. God says, Jesus says, call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver you, and you will honor me. Or how about this from, from Isaiah chapter 65, verse 24. Even before they call, I will answer, and while they are yet speaking, I will hear. Gift number three, the gift of prayer. You have it. It's yours, isn't it? Gift number four, his peace to guard your heart and mind. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Here's what one commentator had to say about this. And I'm quoting now. It almost seems like a contradiction to put peace and guard, or peace and defense, in the same sentence. But this is exactly what the peace of God does. It stands watch over your heart in the same way as a military guard stands watch. So the peace of God will watch over your heart and mind. It will come against any foreign invaders like anxiety, worry, or fear to keep them out so that you can remain calm and focused in your situation. And I would simply add to that, he guards your heart so that you can put your trust in him, especially when you are in a troubled time. Now, perhaps another way to view this gift is to think of it in terms of the psalm for this morning, Psalm 23, and the Lord being your shepherd. What does the shepherd do? He guards the sheep, doesn't he? He is the good shepherd, according to Jesus in John chapter 10. And as he talks about the, the hired hands who, when they see the wolf coming, 
flees and runs away and leaves the sheep to the mercy of the wolf, uh, the good shepherd does not do that. The good shepherd not only stays, but he lays down his life for the sheep. Talk about someone guarding your soul. That promise of Jesus is yours. Or as it says in Psalm 23, his rod and his staff, they will comfort you. Gift number five. He's not as specifically, I think, mentioned in, in this verse, verse eight, but this is the gift of the Holy Spirit to guide you into all truth. Nothing new for us today from people in the past, but we are surrounded by lies, aren't we? The devil, the father lies, is continually surrounding us, and our culture embraces so many lives which are now held to be the truth. And in the midst of all those lies, the Spirit comes to work in our hearts, to fill our hearts in, in keeping our hearts full of good things and keeping our hearts of, of noble things and keeping our hearts full of the truth. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And the Holy Spirit leads us to think about such things. He's the one who fills our heart and our mind with these good things, contrary to all the lies surrounding us through his word. Jesus made this promise, John chapter 14. But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Gift number six. So we have Jesus. We have gentleness. We have prayer. We have the gift of his peace to guide us. We have the gift of the spirit. And we also now have the gift of role models. Has anybody served for you as a faith? role model, consider them gifts from God. Listen to what Paul said. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. Now, I know that may sound a little bit like boasting on Paul's part. But really what Paul is doing here is he is considering that first gift that he has Jesus in him, with him always, and also that he has the Spirit guiding him in his thoughts and keeping him online and keeping him walking the path with Jesus. And, and he's just simply giving all the credit to the Lord that he can live in such a way that can be an example to others. Back in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul writes a little bit about this. And, there he calls himself the least of all the apostles, but then he goes on to say this about who he is and why he lives the way he lives, but by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. Paul is simply pointing to the grace of God in him as a sinner and saying, see, here's what grace can do. 
and leaving an example for us. And, 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 and so for me, my faith role models, first ones that came to my mind were, were Grandma Augusta and Grandma Martha, my two grandmothers, and, and my parents, and you. You have been faith role models for me in the time that I've been with you, especially in the area of prayer. You so beautifully model prayer for me, and I, and I have been blessed by that. Who are your faith role models? See them as being gifts from God, okay? Because that's what they are. And it also means that we should each be asking the question, and who can I be modeling faith for? Who can God use me as a gift to them? My, my children, my grandchildren. One more verse that I think highlights the blessing of, of faith role models from Hebrews chapter 11. We have the great chapter of faith, right? All these lived by faith. And then the very next chapter goes, so let us fix, being surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses, let us fix our eyes on Jesus. That's what a faith role model does. They help you and me fix our eyes on Jesus and run the race that's set before us. And so they are a blessing to us that God gives to us. And, and gift number seven, and the God of peace will be with you. I think that promise speaks for itself. Your heavenly Father will be with you, is with you you. From Deuteronomy chapter 31 verse 6. For the Lord your God will personally go ahead of you. He will never fail you or abandon you. Over and over again this promise is given in scripture. Joshua 1 verse 9. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Jesus, Matthew 28, verse 20, and lo, I am with you always to the end of the age. You have Jesus, you have gentleness, you have prayer, you have his peace to guard you, you have the Holy Spirit, you have role models of faith, and you have the promise of your heavenly Father's presence in your life always. All those gifts are yours. And I bet you could even think of maybe another one or two, can't you? Thanks, Peg. And may the peace of God that passes all understanding keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen. <laughs>